Hi, I'm Keegan Flegner. When I was in first grade, I was diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. Since that time, sports have played a huge role in changing my life. So I want to show the world how all kinds of sports can help all kinds of people with all kinds of mental and emotional challenges. Welcome to Sports on the Spectrum. My guest today is Matthias James. When I started playing basketball at a new basketball league at the Santa Monica YMCA, it consisted of only four teams. But by the time I left, it had grown to 30 teams and 250 players. Matthias was there from the very beginning of the league, first as a referee before becoming a coach and then a league administrator. His contributions to the league were so great that in 2018, he was inducted into the Santa Monica YMCA Basketball Hall of Fame. Please join me in welcoming Matthias James to Sports on the Spectrum. It's safe to say that you you were present at just about every important basketball moment in my life. And I want to share one moment from that firsthand. So uh, this, I'm sure, will bring back flashbacks, but I hope good in a good way. Mm-hmm. Check out this picture right here. This is me. And there's you <laughs> in the background refing. Just like, you know, any other day. And it's just like, it's so casual and yet it's so cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's a, that's an old school picture. Yeah. Man. No, I mean, we both looked so different back then. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. My yeah. hairline. Yeah. It's so, it's very deja vu for both of us. <laughs> you know, even me, it's like, I, I still remember those days. Remembering wearing those shoes, wearing, yeah, yeah. planting that, that Jersey on that you team, know, on that court. You know, it's funny, you've come such a long way because then you were just all arms and legs and still right. kind of getting used to your awkwardness. And, right. and, and getting, yeah, getting, no, getting your I mean, I didn't even consider myself a big man at the time. Like yeah, I was exactly. all about playing on the perimeter. Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, well, that's that's um, I hate to say it. That's what you youngsters see these days. Right. Ball handling and, and three right. point shooting. Yeah. And, and, right. You know, but um. Yeah. It's it's funny. It's funny working with you and seeing how much you've grown and how right. tall you've gotten. Yeah, no. I, mean, I was watching some NBA games just the other night, and I'm right. like, the big man is back. Right. Like, there's so many good big players in the right. league. Now, you yeah. know. And I mean, for you, it's personal. I think too, because I I'm I'm pretty sure. And correct me if I'm wrong. You um like were like a teenager and a young adult right in the heart of the '90s when the big man ruled the NBA. You know, yeah, you had exactly. guys like Hakeem Olajuwon and. Carl Malone, you know, who just dominated the game. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I, you know, I, go. I grew up. My dad used to have season tickets to the Forum. There you go. Um, when, when, you know, when, when we were growing up, so I had a chance to watch Magic and Byron right. and Norm Nixon and right. and, 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 and all you know, these great big men. And it's weird for me too because while even from my earliest years, I always uh, like to consider myself a perimeter player. My favorite players around the NBA were always big guys. Like my favorite player from an early stage was DeAndre Jordan on the Clippers, for example. It's like, oh, I, I was Jordan. just obsessed with him, you know? Yeah, and it was the weirdest City. thing, you know? It's like, I never considered the fact that, you know, it's like, well, I play a completely different position than him. He's my favorite guy. And it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. everything else that goes along. Oh, I, wanted to, I just wanted to clarify one thing with you. I used to coach and be a phys ed teacher at New Roads. I'm, I'm not anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so now I'm just, uh, I'm just, I do private training. So I'm still, I'm oh. still training kids in basketball. So, well, there you go. That was, you that was a few years back that I okay. did that. So, yeah. And, and I guess I'll, I'll just bring up a little personal background for those who don't know. Um, when I was a sophomore in high school, I decided to transfer away from my old school to a new school. And one of the schools I considered transferring to at the time, I didn't go there in the end was uh, New Roads. Mm. 
So it's like, you know, as a result, I, I'm, I'm not sure you were coaching at the time, but it's like, if you were, it's like, that would have been pretty neat. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting because when I, when I was, uh, when I was going to Santa Monica college right out right. of high school, um, high school, mm -hmm. I, I started, I started coaching at, at new roads, but it wasn't called new roads back then. It was called right. New Horizons, and it was, <laughs> right, and it was right across the street from Santa Monica college at there the you go. Street, right there on Pearl street. Right. And the school, the elementary school specialized in right. ADHD and AD yep. and and it still does. It, it still, still does. does. Yeah. So that was my that was my real first experience right. in terms of working on a day-to-day -day basis with kids right. who were on that spectrum. Right. Um, yeah, no, just, I mean, that's part of the reason we considered it in the first place. We knew it yeah. had a very good program for kids like that. So yeah, exactly. And it just it gave me really good insight. And um, you know, it it also it, it also helped that I have a nephew right. who I helped raise who was right. also ADHD. Right. So, and you know, and you, who, you know, very well, because you yes. grew up with them for half of your right. life. No. And I'm, so. and I'm sure at some point later, we will absolutely host an episode with him too, and provide more insight into that. But, you know, yes, I absolutely understand how important that is for both you and for everybody else involved in that yeah. kind of thing. I think he would, I think he would love to have that conversation with you. He's got some great stories about that himself that he can tell you from the past Yeah, and, how he, and how he helped to overcome that, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, I'm sure both me and my audience would love to hear that. So we will definitely get to that at some point. But I guess uh, going back to you for a second. And first, I think I want to start off again on a more, not personal, but like more, more about you mm -hmm. as a person. So uh, I guess my first question is, and going back actually to talking about, you know, you liking the big man growing up and going to those Laker games. What were basically your very first memories of sport moments like that, you know, and, and just in general, not just watching sports, but also playing them, whatever, you know, it's like, what do you do take away from that? Um, well, let me, I'll give you a really early story, a really, really early in my youth. Um, sure. Before I even, before I even got, got into the YMCA in Santa Monica, right. I go to the boys club in Santa Monica. Oh, okay. Now it was the boys club when I was a kid. Right. Not until later, and right. maybe the mid '90s, did they call it the Boys and Girls Club? Right. But yep. when I was playing basketball there, <clears throat> um, it was called the Boys Club, and right. that was my first taste of of playing um, AAU style tournament basketball right. with a lot of the guys that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, one of my one of my good friends that I grew up with, Cyrus Yarborough, mm -hmm. who also used to be on who also used to be on um a show on MTV called the real world. Okay. He was one of my first teammates and we, okay. would, we and we, our families were really close and we would travel right. to all these little places, um, right. the boys club playing these big, these in, in these huge tournaments where they were like right. 200 different teams from all over the, the LA districts. Right. You know? And and that was back when you would get a big trophy and not just right. everybody would get these little participation right. trophies for yep, playing no. basketball. It was, it was it was all or nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um that was that was a lot of fun. We would go do that. And back then the boys club had this game room and they had a right. big screen. So yeah. after our games, right, if we got if we finished our games early enough. We would right. all rush into the game room right. because we all wanted to go watch Michael Jordan or yep. Magic Johnson play a basketball game when we were all little kids because we were in right. all of these guys. Right. And we always knew when Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson were playing because we were all Laker fans back of then. Of course you were. Yeah, no, it's like, yeah, like so, anything like that. Yeah, so that was probably one of my first experiences. Um, uh, one That's of my a great first, experience, yeah. man. I, I would die for something like that. Yeah, it was great, man. One of my first coaches, Joey, at the boys club, 
He right. was a great guy. Um, he passed away not too long ago. Uh, everybody knew him in Santa Monica that grew up. Right. He really, uh, he really helped me out a lot. You know, when my right. when my mom was struggling. You know, when you know she was a single parent for a while, and yeah, and she did a lot for me and my sisters. And um, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it was it was definitely it was yeah. definitely something that I loved. Um, right. Going to the Laker thing, it's it's interesting because I was fortunate to have <clears throat> to have a father who was right. a big Laker fan. Right. And he made he made enough money that he could mm -hmm. buy tickets to the Lakers to the right. old form. Right. Now, if anybody knew anything about the form, it was this small little arena. Yep. Nope. That, you know, it was like a sweat box. It was right. the hottest arena that you could right. ever go to. But it was the most fun because the Lakers yep. were winning. And, right. you know, and, and to go watch the, the Showtime team play, it was like mm -hmm. as a kid, there was nothing better. Right. Yeah, you know, no. So. Well, I can definitely draw a comparison to that, you know, let alone as actually a Clippers fan, because for me, me and my dad, we have that very same kind of bond and experience. Yeah, exactly. For like the last few years where it's like we always go to the games at Staples. We always have a blast, you know, watching them at their best right now, at least, you yeah. know, it's like there's nothing better than that, honestly. It's great. It's great that the uh, that the Clippers and the Lakers have a, have an arena like Staples Center now. Yeah, they really no. can get a lot a lot of people in there, and they can really showcase. And right. the fact that both the Lakers and the Clippers are legitimate basketball teams too. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, no, honestly, it's like that's the first time in history this has ever happened. So yeah. It's like, yeah. Exactly. It makes it well, all the more fun. Well, at least for the Clippers. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I mean, it's really for us. I mean, the Lakers. They if it, if they had it their way, they would never welcome that. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. It, it know. would be it would be nice. Although I'm a Laker fan, it would right. be nice to see the Clippers win a, a world championship. Right. And say, wow, we have two teams in L.A. who right. live in the same building. Right. You know, yeah, I don't no. think I don't think any other city can say that. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, too. I'll, I'll give the respect to you that you and all the Laker fans deserve and say congratulations on your just one previous uh, championship. You know, you guys deserved it. And well, as mad as I am, I'm I, I uh, respect uh, all the hard work that went into. Yeah. That. You, you know, as a as a as a late as a real Laker fan, though, it's not really. I know it, it never satisfies, never satisfies. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, not, and I understand that myself too, because I like teams. It's, you know, it's not just the Clippers. I like teams that it's like, they have that same standard, you know, it's like, yeah. they're always, it, it's never enough for them. They they're so good, used to being good. They just want to keep being good. You know? Well, also for me, it's, this is the first time where you don't have players who have been with the Lakers for a long time. Right. Lakers that right. won a championship. Yeah. So Let's let's let let Anthony Davis and LeBron James win one more. <laughs> call them real Lakers. Right. No, no. I mean, it's like I, I get where you're coming from with that. And, you know, yeah. I, I would agree. That's the good standard to hold them to. Yeah, exactly. So, and I guess um, uh, I'll follow fire off a quick follow up in a sense that's related to all this is like, why were you drawn to te a team like the Lakers and like what players did you admire specifically? And just why was that the case, you know, aside from maybe the obvious factors? Like, is there anything more deeper with that? Um, well, a couple things. Number one, because you, you, when you're grow, when you grow up in L.A. Right. And, and you have a team that already has a history. Right. You're kind of just born into that history. Of course. You know? um, it's it's interesting because I'm originally from Newark, New Jersey. So all my okay. family back east. Right. I'm a, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. Like I would be owned by my family if I right. wasn't a Yankee fan. Right. I like the Dodgers. I grew up liking the Dodgers, but right. not as much as the Yankees because 
I have right. familial roots with the Yankees as mm-hmm. opposed to the Dodgers. Right. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to the when it came to the Lakers, I really became a Laker fan once Magic Johnson came there. I mean, right. you know, I followed him and his career at Michigan State because I'm a huge Big Ten fan. Mm-hmm. I have family that played basketball, um, played sports in the Big Ten. Right. Um, so I just, um, you know, I'm a huge University of Michigan fan. I love yep. everything Wolverines go blue. Right. So I've always, yep. I've always yeah. watched the Big Ten. It's weird Ten. you would fall in love with a player then who went to Michigan State. I know, I know, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? But I, only after he left Michigan State. <laughs> right, of course. Yeah. That's, how, that's how it always goes. Yeah, only after he left Michigan State. So I really became a huge fan of the, of the Lakers once Magic Johnson went there. Now, mm-hmm. before that, I was a huge Detroit Piston fan. Oh, good, good choice, man. Now, and I know why, you know, it's like they were a total embodiment of just, you know, do the dirty work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, and, <clears throat> and then I, and, and then I, I became a huge fan of Isaiah Thomas. Right. Not a lot of, not a lot of people like Isaiah Thomas. He's right. had his issues in the past. Right. But, you know, in terms of one of the first real small guards mm-hmm. who are, who are athletic, who right. could score, who right. could pass, who could yeah. lead a team. Yeah, he was like the original Russell Westbrook, you know? Yeah, exactly. He was like, he's like the original Russell Westbrook. Yeah, you know, right. he was explosive. He was a right. small guard, but he, right. he backed down from nobody. And mm-hmm. that Isaiah Thomas, I kind of saw myself in him mm-hmm. in terms of I was always not really the smaller person, but the smaller right. guard playing basketball. Right. I wasn't the biggest person. I always had to fight and scrap for everything right. I did on the basketball court. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I saw a lot of the things in myself and Isaiah Thomas. Right. And, I, and um, that's how I really became a fan of the Pistons yeah. because of Isaiah Thomas also, just because right. of who he is and his yeah. character. Yeah. And also he's from the Big Ten, Indiana right. Hoosiers. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely say this too. I definitely base my game alone off of that now. And while granted, I do play as the true big, you know, because I am a good height and size compared yeah. to like other players at the same time compared to most bigs, you know, I still am undersized and under strength. So it's like, to me, it's like, I always have to do what Isaiah Thomas did when he was facing other guards, which is to take him down, you know? Be yeah. And, and it's amazing also how the game has expanded because now kids, players, your size and your heart, your height right. are playing the point guard position. Right. You know, yeah. No. Six, six. Or, you know, it's like you're super tiny and you're grabbing like 10 rebounds a game. Yeah, you know? exactly. 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 So it's just kind of interesting how the game has changed. Right. And, 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 and there's so many different players that can do so many things across the board. You know, I look at someone like Zion Williamson, who just blows my mind. Right. You know, somebody who's six foot six, 280 right. pounds. Right. Jump 40 inches in the air. Yep. You know, and people just bounce off of him, you know, and it's right. just you we used to think LeBron was the standard. Now we look at Zion right. Williamson and we're like, wow, that that he's a beast. Yeah, yeah. You know? no, totally. Yeah, it's like I think that's kind of the, the the beauty part in all this. It's like you never know what's coming, but it's like what what you do end up seeing is actually blows your mind. You know, it is. It is. I think um, I think basketball is the one sport where it's 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 it's, it's such a team concept. Right. Individually. Right. Your talent, your size, your your athleticism, your right. intellect can really mm-hmm. show on the court because there's only so many people on the court and right. you can dictate what happens on the in a game as yeah. opposed to baseball or hockey or football. Right. Where there's so many other players. Right. You know, I think um, basketball is that one sport where you can really show your individual athleticism. Yeah, I no, I mean, it's definitely a lot easier to do that, you know, Yeah. because it's like 
uh, to me, and, and it's weird, actually, I was having a conversation with my mom about this yesterday. I think in basketball, it's a lot easier to define it who's truly great, whereas who's either not or level below or whatever, because it's like at the end of the day, everybody has the same kind of job in that they need to do, which is, you know, yes. to play defense, get stops, whatever, put the ball in the basket. You know, it's like, and well, there are different ways they do that at the same time, you know, at the end of the day, it does come down to just them overall and what they can do yeah, exactly. as themselves and as a collective. Yeah. Well, I guess I would definitely, um, agree with all that. And I think I would, it would help me lead into my next question too. And I guess I'll put two in one here in a way. What was like your, and I guess this is kind of a repeat, but you know, I'll, I'll see if I can get a different answer out of you. What was like your proudest moment in your own experience? And it doesn't have to necessarily be you playing the game, like watching something and, you know, I guess why. And then also it's like, did that lead or how did that lead into you getting more involved with sports that you still enjoy today? Like what did, what appealed to them? You know? So I guess this kind of builds off of both, both questions. I just asked, you know, what appeals to sports about you today that you took from growing up and then just like, what was like a, a defining moment for you? Um, you know, there's a couple of them. I think the, the first defining moment for me was making my high school basketball team. Mm, I think that's always, um, that's always think, so yeah, gratifying. You know, I think um, I think for any high school kid, right. I don't care how good you are, making right. your making your high school basketball team kind of tells you as a as a teenager, right. I made it. I'm yeah. good enough to be on the right. same court with my peers. Yeah, and I'll know? just interrupt you. I it was interesting for me too because I did not have that experience, that pleasure at first because I remember I tried out my first two years of high school for the team and got denied. You know, yeah, and that stunk. That you know, it stunk. And so finally, when I transferred away and was able to make the team, you know, while I was practically a guarantee at the same time, because I had endured, you know, so much to get here, I was, I was still so happy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, um, I think for me, it's interesting because my fresh, my freshman year of high school, I, I considered myself a pretty good basketball player. Right. I didn't make the varsity team and I really thought I was going to make the varsity team. Right. I was really upset. I was really upset with that because I mm -hmm. thought I deserved to be right. on the varsity, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, and I had some issues with that, with, with the head coach at my high school, right. You know, that's neither here nor there. Yep. Um, so I, I didn't make the varsity until my sophomore year right. of high school, you know, once again, that still let me know that I was there. Right. Kind of that, kind of that, 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 that resentment from my, from my freshman year. Right. Spilled over and I worked a little harder. I got a little better. Right. You know, and um, it made me realize that nothing is taken for granted, that you really have to work hard. Right. For, for, for some of the things that you, yeah. that you want to get, you know. Yeah. And um, I think that's one of them. I think um, another one that that really kind of got me motivated me more was was when Zion came into my life, my nephew Zion. Right. Able to coach him in basketball. Right. Watch him um mature and learn the game mm -hmm. and i was able to instill some 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 some, some responsibility and goals and in, and in, in, into him yeah um just to watch watch him grow and become the the, the person he is now right you know, that really helped me that that really inspired me to want to mm -hmm. do more and work more and work with kids more right so I, I think those are two really big defining moments in my life right and I guess I would just build off that a little bit more. It's like, you know, those moments, you know, obviously, like you said, they've clearly had an impact on your life. How exactly did that get you more involved with sports? Like, 
what do you what did you do building off of those moments to get more involved with it basically and and again i would just ask why did you do that you know why did you feel this was this specifically mattered to you to me it mattered because i wanted to make a difference not just for myself but for other people right and i felt i felt the one the one stamp i could leave on this world mm-hmm. was to know that people would come back to me in the future and say, hey, Mr. James, MJ, I remember right. when you coached me and I remember some of the things that you used to say to me. And I'm now I'm telling those things to my children. Right. And, you know, for me, I guess that those, those, that acknowledgement or those yeah. accolades mm-hmm. kind of made me want to get into the aspect of coaching and, yeah. and, and continuing to work with kids, work with organizations. Right. Um, work with parents, uh, do the mentoring that I did, right. um, do the training that I've done. I think mm-hmm. that really kind of, kind of, kind of motiv- motivated me and pushed me in that direction to work with the community and work with kids so that for future generations, right. they can kind of hand down some of the things that I taught their parents. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, you know, it's, yeah. it's funny me talking to you, you know, right. I, hope some, I hope someday when you have kids, you can right. say, you know, my coach Matthias used to say this to me when, when he was training me for basketball or volleyball. Right. Or, or when he was yeah, refer- no. Yeah, or when he was refereeing my games, he would give right. me pointers and these little tips. Right. You know, so I think um yeah. I think that's just a, a big motivating factor for me, you know, being able to being able to see 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 the training and the coaching of the of of, of the youth. And right. making sure that they're on the right path, and making sure that I'm helping them be be on the right path. Yeah, that, that's kind of something that I hold that holds dear to me. So yeah, no, and, and it's weird actually you brought that up because you just remind me of a little side story I have for our audience. So while Matthias never coached me when I was playing basketball at the YMCA, he actually for I think like a couple months or so, he actually uh, um, like trained me to play volleyball a bit actually, and I remember you know it was like. You know, because like I said, we had never really trained one on one or coached because, you know, the opportunity never came because I was always with my dad. Yeah. But it's like I remember doing that. And, you know, at the time, I, I didn't know much about volleyball, but I really wanted to get into it. So and I just remember training with you and I just remember how much fun I had and how you gave me some really good like pointers on how to do it. And I mean, nowadays, it's like I have a lot of that to thank for you because I mean, I, you know, I appreciate like, that, man. I really yeah, appreciate no, that. I mean, you can be the judge, but it's like, I, I definitely feel thanks to some of those sessions, I've gotten a lot better on my, bo- my volleyball skills. Yeah. You know, you it's know? funny uh, on a side note, basketball was my sport, basketball, basketball, uh, and track. That's, you know, I ran track right. now volleyball. What's interesting was I played volleyball when I was younger, like in middle right. school, I didn't really play like big time organized volleyball, but right. I played volleyball. So I thought about playing volleyball in high school, but I wasn't sure. Right. Once again, if I was I, with volleyball, I wasn't sure if I was good enough. Right. My freshman year of high school, we're doing practice. We're doing layup drills for my basketball mm-hmm. team. Yep. And we're and and we're and we're doing dunk drills. And, and in high school, I could dunk the ball. Right. So I was dunking the basketball. The coach of the volleyball team would always come watch the basketball team practice. Right. So my coach, coach, coach Newman, coach Randy Newman. Uh-huh. He's like this really famous coach. He's like one of the most famous coaches in California. He had already won all right. these championships at University High School. Yep. Uh, he was already he had already was already in the Hall of Fame for volley high school volleyball coaches. He saw me doing the layup drills and jumping in the air. Right. So 
So he came to me after practice and he said, you ever thought about playing volleyball? Right. Now I didn't tell him I knew how to play volleyball. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's like, you should come, you should, you should come try out for the team. I said, sure. I'll come try out for the team. Right. Came, came the next morning, tried out for the bat for the team. I'm spiking the ball. I'm jumping over the, I'm jumping over the net, spiking the ball. He's like, how come you didn't tell me you played volleyball? Like, you <laughs> you never asked me. You just knew. You know? Yeah. So, so like that year, tell. my freshman year, um, that was 87. Me and me and another freshman, there were only two freshmen on the varsity team. I made varsity right. volleyball. That's funny. I made yeah. the varsity volleyball team. I didn't make the varsity basketball team. Right. And me and this other kid named Colin, we were the only two freshmen on the varsity team. We mm-hmm. didn't get much time because right. – Every yeah. single starter on, on our volleyball team was going to like a big time university. They were all right. getting scholarships. Right. But my freshman year, we wound mm-hmm. up beating um, Granada Hills for a city oh. championship. We played at Pepperdine in right. front of a huge crowd. Right. It, was just, it was phenomenal. It was one of yeah. the greatest experiences. And then that kept me playing volleyball right. while I was playing b- basketball all my years in high school. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it was great. And and yeah. when I was doing that, I was also playing AAU tournaments during the summertime yep. for volleyball. Right. And then I would switch over and then play an AAU tournament for basketball. For basketball. So during the summer times in high school, I was pretty much not home much. Right. Well, I mean, it's like if you're having fun, it's like you don't you don't care, man. It's no, like... no, no. When you're when you're a kid and you're that age, man. Right. You're, you're, that's all you want to do is play. That's all you right. want to do is play. You yeah, know, no. so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was great experiences. I mean, I had a chance to go to New Mexico. I had a chance to go to Colorado. There you I go. Had a chance to go to Florida and play in these tournaments. And the only way I would have been able to do that is if I was playing these these sports. Right. You know, so absolutely, man. So, you you know, know, I mean, and, that, again, that sounds so much fun. So I can only uh, feel jealous and feel happy for you at the same time. So oh yeah, thank you. Don't be jealous. Yeah. I wish I could have done more with that. So yeah, no, it's like whatever. Uh, all right. Well, cool. So, um, I think, uh, after that, I'm actually gonna have, I actually have a little surprise for you, but before I give that away, I want to give a shout out to, uh, one of our sponsors. Do you own a classic Mustang, Corvette, Camaro, or Chevelle from the 1960s or seventies? Does the clock in your dash keep accurate time? Do you want to get a new clock for your car, but you don't want to pay 200, 300, or even $500 for a new clock? Well, then go to impactautopartsstore.com for a brand new quartz clock that looks identical to the original and is powered by a single AA battery. All at prices less than half that of a restored clock or a reproduction. Go to the website, impactautopartsstore.com and keep on cruising. And so with that, um, I think I want to talk um, a little more specifically, still about your background, but more specifically about, about what you did in the Santa, Mon- Santa Monica YMCA Basketball League. Okay. Um, and I guess I'll, for my audience, I'll riff here a little bit just to give them some context. So for me, like I said, I played in this league for seven years and uh, I was with it from the very beginning yes, too. And, and I, nobody, and by the time, you know, I left, nobody else was, had it, ever been there for like more than a couple of years. So it's like, for me, it was kind of deeply personal in a sense, because for me, it had always been my safe haven. It had always been my place to go to feel happy or sad or anything really you know it's like at the end of the day it was always a good place to go to learn something to experience something i feel the same way definitely it was like it was always a uh a something you never forget something you treasure it's like it was like anything you know i loved going to play i loved going to hang out with guys like you and pete all the time you know that was always fun and it was just like it was something you know i'll hold dear forever and i you know uh feel great about every day 
And so I guess um, before I ask you some specific questions on what you took away from that, I actually have, uh, I actually reached out to Peter, who let me remind everybody, directed this league. And he sent back actually a little message uh, about you. And I'd uh, like to hear what he said. <laughs> so this is uh, Pete's words. Um, uh, quote, I met Matthias when I started at the Santa Monica YMCA in 2011. Whenever a referee would fail to show up, Matthias would always fill the empty spot. And he was always looking for ways to help the kids, parents, and our league be as good as it could be. Over the years, he not only moved into coaching, but he also became a valuable assistant who knew exactly how things ran and how, how to act as my voice whenever I was not in the office. Matthias loves the game of basketball and was and still is a pretty good player himself. He loves to teach and coach the game. Like all of us, he has learned new roles and gotten better at them over time. As a coach, he has learned the value in shouting praise and whispering criticism to his players, which made him much better over time. Not everyone gets to see the full version of Matthias, but for those who take the time to get to know him, he has been a warm and good friend. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. I'll have to, I'll have to call him and, and thank him personally. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll certainly try and um, bring that up when I do end up uh, bringing him on the show. So, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure it's like, he'll, he'll say, oh, you know, it's like, this is so true in every way. So I guess, um, you know, uh, going off of uh, that, those words from Pete right there, who, you know, was, uh, the one who ran all this and did it so well, you know, how did you first get involved with this league? Cause it's like, you know, obviously Pete was number one, but it seems like for most of the time when he was running it, you were number two. So it's like, what got you to that position and why, why did you stay with it? You know, for so many years at the same time. Um, you know, I stayed with it because once again, there was a sense of community. There was a sense of love. There was a sense of, um, um, camaraderie. Mm -hmm. not, not just among the kids and the coaches, but among the parents, right. um, everybody did their part to make sure everything ran smoothly. I think, um, we did, we did one of the best jobs you could ever do, not only at any YMCA, but for any youth right. organization, anywhere, the job yeah. that we did, I mean, you know, you're a spitting example of that in terms of when we first started out, like you said, there were only right. four teams. Yeah. By the time, I mean, by the time Peter and I left. We had over 30 teams and 300 kids. Yep. You know, I mean, and it just, the, the league grew exponentially because yeah. people, like, people like Peter and right. you and your dad and right, me right. and Zion and so many other parents in the communities right. saw the potential of what this league could do. Mm -hmm. you know, and I think um, for me, it was a no brainer. Um, Every day that I was there, every every day that I worked with Peter, every day that I was exposed to him and the knowledge of wealth that he was and the experiences right. that he had and everything that he had done in his career. And, you know, anybody anybody who's never never studied on Peter Arbogast, I, I suggest you do that because right. that, man, that man is a walking almanac. When it comes no. To yeah, no. And, no. and a lot of people, I'm sure, in our audience and just overall, they do know him. So it's exactly. Like, I exactly. think for them to hear this, it's like it just speaks to how much people like us who know him personally do actually treasure him, you know, for who yeah. he is and not yeah. what he does. And I think, um, I think also, you know, it's funny, you're never too old to change or right. to adapt or to learn. And for me, even though I, even though I, I, I had done a lot and, and, and learned a lot and been a lot of places, right. I found a mentor in Peter, mm -hmm. you know, I thought I knew everything, but right. I obviously, obviously I did not, you know? Right. And, and for me, it, it was just, um, to be able to be in that atmosphere, to be with that program, to be around those kids, 
yep. you guys to be around those parents, mm -hmm. to be a part of the community. Um, there was nothing greater for me. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, and again, I'm the person who can clarify all this. What you're saying is absolutely true. You know, not only from your perspective, from, but from mine. And I mean, I, I would argue mine's truly unique because it's like, I ever, I never even got to know you on the deeper level that a lot of your players knew you, you know, because yeah. it's like, I was never on your teams. You know, I was never like at your side in any of this. I just always saw you as a person who was there. And honestly, yeah. I think the consistency of that, you know, grew over time. And it's like, that had a greater impact on me as time went by. Um, so, um, obviously I'm sure, uh, for our audience, they already know you're, you coached for a lot of those years. You were very involved with this league, but I guess going back to coaching, um, as a young player for me, one thing that I noticed about your style, because again, we, you coached a lot and I was always on the opposition. So I was always, you know, noticing things over the course of time that you constantly did. And one of those things, and I'm sure you will happily acknowledge this because you did it pretty much every game was that you were almost always really fast, uh, right? Very early in the game and calling your timeouts. Like, like in like the first two minutes of the game, you would just start shouting. It's like, get down there, you know, get over here. It's like, it, it was just like the first two minutes, you were pretty much out of breath, it seemed. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, right after that, you would just call timeout, like before anybody else was even thinking about that, including myself. I was like, why is he calling timeouts? It's like, you know, yes, they're making some mistakes, but it's like, I don't think it's worth wasting your timeouts so fast. And while that might've been true at the same time, I think in a way it was what made you such a good coach because it's like you were able to change these tiny little mistakes your team was making early before yes. they became bigger problems. Yes. And, and honestly, you're not alone in this. I'd just like to point out that at least to me and to a lot of people, I'm sure two of the greatest coaches today that both in today's NBA and probably will be in history, uh, Greg Popovich and Brad Stevens. Oh yeah. They, all, they follow that exact same trend <laughs> where it's, it's like, they'll see, you know, mistakes being made early in the first two minutes that they don't like. And while they seem, and while most coaches would let that go, they just simply don't. They're just like, they call a timeout and they're like, hey, you know, let's fix these now before they become a bigger problem for us. And, you know, yeah. So it's like, while granted, many of, many of us, including myself, didn't necessarily agree with that style. I just want to point out you're actually in pretty good company. So well, I you know, applaud you for like <laughs> ignoring all the critics that there were and just doing what you had to do. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. Usually when I would call a quick timeout, I would go into a basketball game with my team with a certain game plan, a certain right. way that I would want them to do certain things mm -hmm. within the first couple of minutes of the game right. that would establish how we would play for the rest of the game. Right. So when I saw something that they quickly deviated from, even mm -hmm. though we might have worked on it all week. Right. I'd be quick to say, let's, okay, let's, we got to bring it in before we get away from what we're trying to do. Right. And, and that's one of the main reasons why I would call a quick timeout. Only if I saw that where we were going was not where I wanted to head. Right. So yeah, that's no. one of the reasons why I would call quick timeouts and just kind of get their heads back together and say, wait a minute, this isn't what we worked on. Let's right. get back to what we worked on. Let's get back to how we work, how we practice before mm -hmm. we get away from that. And the game gets away from us. Yeah, so. no. I mean, obviously in the moment, it doesn't seem like that's the kind of thing you need to be reminded of, but as a coach, it's like, those are the things you do see and you need to remind your players of that. And I think that's very important. And one of the most important reasons why, you know, coaches are there. It's like, they're yeah. there to remind their players of what's important and yeah. what they need to do, even when it seems like it's 
they shouldn't be doing that to the players, you know? Well, yeah, that's, and exactly. It doesn't back to matter too. Coaches are not players. They think differently than them. Yeah, true, true. And, you know, and, and it, it would be different also if it was, if it was high school kids that I was working with. Right. They can retain a little bit more information. Right. So when you're dealing with kids, you want to just call a timeout, right. bring them right. back in real quick and say, Hey, this right. is what we worked on. Let's yeah. get back to what we worked on. Right. Back and have fun. So, yeah. No, and it, and it's interesting for me because I remember as somebody who's autistic, you know, I like to stare off sometimes. And I remember during those early timeouts that you called, it's like, while my my dad was talking over a game plan as as the coach, you know, I would still casually t- turn my eye and look to what you were doing. I, I was just naturally curious. I was like, you're calling a timeout so early. What do you have to say to them? You know? Yeah. Well, I couldn't pick up anything because I was far away. You know, it's just like I looked at your your little movements and stuff, and it was just like. Hmm. You know. He's saying something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. You know, and it was just like it always caught my eye every time, and and it's weird. You know, I have clear memories of like, you know, playing games where you were coaching against us, and it's like, two minutes in, it's like you're already screaming, you're already calling timeout, and I'm like, uh, okay. You know. Well, that also that also helped, but also because your dad was such a good coach, and you always right. had good teams too. Right. And, and your teams and my teams always wound up. Right. We, we were, we were actually, yeah, we became kind of, uh, friendly rivals over yeah, the course exactly. of time. We were always exactly. just playing each other. And honestly, I like that, you know, I like that spirit of competition and, and it's weird too. Cause actually, cause I have another gift to give you here, which is that, uh, my dad who, like I, I mentioned, you know, coached was usually my coach over many of the years I was at the Y. And as a result, he was always coaching against you. He actually had some comments to make too about you. And I'll quote, Matthias and I coached against each other a lot and our different coaching styles meant that we didn't always see eye to eye, but uh, there were three things I always noted and respected about Matthias. First, he knew the game of basketball inside and out. Second, he really cared about and would do anything for the YMCA and the basketball program. And then lastly, he loved his nephew Zion and helped raise him to be an amazing young man. So even if Matthias and I didn't always see eye to eye when we coached each other, I always had tremendous respect for who he was and is today. Wow. Thank you. Tell him thank you very much. I, you I know, will absolutely tell him that, you know, and, and again, I, I, he, like Pete, he means this, you know, I, I do feel, you know, because it's like, I mean it too. You know, it's like, I felt the same way, you know, uh, playing against your teams. It's like, I could just see, you know, what they saw in you at the same time. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I love that man. Your dad's a good, your dad's a good man. He's done yep. a lot. He's done a lot for the community also. And, and, right. And, you know, I mean, and I mean, I, I guess I'll just bring up the fact, you know, one of the few things you, me and my dad all share in common, actually, you know, when we, uh, with, in regards to that league is we're all members of that hall of fame. You know, it's yeah. not just you, it's me and my dad and we all, and we were all inducted at the same time, no less. Yeah. You know, I remember that ceremony we all had for our induction and actually you know, I actually have something to show as a little recollection, both for our audience and from that. And that is, if I can just pull it out, this. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is no. a great picture. Yep. Yeah, no, this was, uh, I'm not sure if this was actually from the ceremony or when we were finished. It might have been when we were finished, although I, think, I know for yeah, a fact. I think that might have been when we were finished. That's a great right. picture. But actually, I actually still do have a picture of the actual ceremony, and this is it. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, no. That it, is beautiful, man. Yeah, that's you nice. and me and my dad were just standing side by side holding the plaques. That's the, that's the short Keegan right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. But, you know, it's like at the same time, I still love looking back on that thing. And, and I'll actually uh, do a, a stigma for our audience here. 
the guy who was standing next to me in that picture, if you go back and look, that's Pete right there standing next to me. And then the guy next to him is actually a guy named Steve, who was another great coach who I was actually had the privilege of being coached by a couple of times. And yeah, he was, he was really good too. Yeah. Steve is the yeah. coach is coaching the girls basketball team. At yes, he is. He is, he is coaching. He's also doing coaching himself too, still today yeah. for high school, no less. Yeah. I was going to, I was also going to say, you know, I, and I really, I really respect and thank your dad for, for all the things that he did for Zion and, and, and all the coaching. He yeah, did. no, cause and that's the other thing too. Well, I was never coached you know. by you. My dad did coach him a couple of times when we were on the same team together during the yeah, summer. And your dad was a great mentor to him also. So like yeah. I said, it takes a community. It, it really takes, it really yeah. takes everyone to, to, to put their little, to, to chip in and, 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 and put their little piece in right. to make sure everything yeah. fits in just right. So yeah. And in all honesty too, I mean, it's like, I loved playing rec league and playing against you, but actually some, I think some of my favorite moments as being a part of that league were when we all got together during the summertime to play as a collective team. Yeah. You know, I think that was one of my favorite experiences just because it's like, we were, it was no longer, you know, friendly competition. It's like, we were all one unit, you know, and it's like, I think all that, that togetherness, you know, really had an impact on me and made me want to, uh, play better and just be a better teammate too. And, and have that's a lot more fun about. at the same yeah. time, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. It's, it's, it's about being, a, it's about being a good teammate and having right. fun. Yeah. You know, number one, have fun. You want to win. You right. always want to win, but if you're not yeah. having fun doing it, then there's no yeah. point in doing it. Yeah. And it was nice too, for me. Cause I, I did actually, that was, again, that was, it was a case where you were, I was always on my dad's team and Zion was always on your team. So that was one of the few times I also got to be his teammate for once. Yeah. And, and, it was, and it was interesting, too, because, you know, along with you and my dad being coaching rivals, me and Zion were kind of personal rivals because we were usually the two biggest guys on the court. Yeah. We were yeah, always exactly. going against each other at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, that kid always fought. You know, I was a, I was kind of amazed. He was always like the, the one kid who could always get not into my head, but just like take me down a peg at the same time. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, just, uh, he's, tenacious. he's tenacious. He's a strong kid, man. Yeah. He's a. Uh... Yeah, he's, he's a strong kid. You know, yeah, he no was one surprise. of the few who was actually stronger than me. Yeah. And I was like, it's I was no like, surprise what, he got into what is this kid hiding? You know, it is no surprise he got into football. None no, yeah, no. He, yeah, for again, for our audience, I'll, I'll let them know now. He, he's a football player now. So, and a good one, apparently, too. So, I, I have a lot of respect for him as well. And we will definitely uh, find, learn more about his story when we get the chance. And I guess um, I'll just fire up another quick question here, going back to that Hall of Fame induction. What did that mean to you when that happened, basically? Because as it stands right now, there, you know, while this is a rare situation where we have a lot of people at once who we know that are a part of that Hall of Fame, you know, it's like there still aren't many people overall who are a part of that. So what yeah, did that mean to you specifically to be a part of that small group that just happens to include me, you and my dad? Oh, I mean, wow. Well, where do I begin? I mean, number one, it, 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 it like I like I was saying when I when I made my high school basketball team it made me realize that I had arrived that mm-hmm. that everything that I had done up until that point was acknowledged and, right. and that people really appreciated and understood what I did and the right. sacrifices I made yeah. in order to you know in order to enrich other people's lives because it it wasn't about me you know I, mm-hmm. like I said it was about the kids and it's about right. the parents and it's about the community right. you know uh, I mean, I, I, I could, I could go through life getting no, re- no awards whatsoever. Right. As long as people came back to me and said, we appreciate what you've done. Right. And, and yeah. We, and and we, I had sort of the, the same takeaway from that too, because, you know, 
yes, I was a player, so I was more subject to these. But at the same time, I wasn't really so much of a standout guy, you know, like when playing. It's like, yes, I was good, but I was never like really, really good, like enough to earn like accolades or acknowledgement in a way that was, you know, only consistent, you know. So it's like to actually finally get that special thing that made that told me it's like, hey, you know, it's like you you matter, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. you did something important, you know, even if maybe it didn't sh- show so much in the short term, it's like over the course of time, it becomes really clear that what you did has had an impact. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, that that was very special. And I and I can see you had the same thought definitely. Uh, when that happened. You know, and another thing for me also, Keegan, is like, you know, every every year when we would have the banquets at the end of the year, right. we get all the teams and all the kids and all the parents together, you know, at the end of the year, when all these parents would come up to me and say, thank you so much for what right. you did for my child. Mm-hmm. My child is so much, is, is a much better basketball player and a much better person because of you. Right. That really, that's a, that's the Hall of Fame for me. Yeah. No. That's, that's something that I, I can, I can never... That's something that I can never lose. That's right. that'll always be with me when a parent comes up to me and says, wow, what you just did for my kid this season, what you, how you mentored him or, her, or him or her, what mm-hmm. you taught him or her for me, that, that, that yeah. acknowledgement and that thankfulness from the parents is all I right. need. To hear. Yeah, no. And, and as a player too, I felt the same way, uh, when playing with other guys who I really respected and not, and I guess I'll, I'll, I'll kind of slightly build off of that in a way uh, again, rather quickly, but um, when you were coaching specifically, uh-huh. what were necessarily the things you looked for and like your players and like what, and your coaching style, you know, what did you want to achieve when you were doing something like that, you know, uh, and, and how to maybe it change too, you know, cause it's like, it's like you said, you, you're never too old to change. So, it's uh, like- you know, there's, there's, there's three things that I really look for. Um, in terms of a player, the three things I look for is, is teamwork. Right. You have to be able to, That's you, very have important. To be able, you have to be able to trust your teammates. Mm-hmm. I don't care how, I don't care how good you are, you are. or how bad you are. Yep. I want you to understand if you're the best player on my team, you have to trust the worst player on your team. Right. Not yeah. that anybody, not that anybody on my team would ever think that they're the worst player because that's not how I coach. Everyone so. on my teams are on equal footing. Right. But you have, you have to trust your teammates and, and right. that just, that's just teamwork period. Mm-hmm. Number two is just working hard. Right. If you see someone on your team, not working as hard as you, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it up to you to go and say something to your teammate. That's right, something right. that I think uh, Zion, when he played for me, was always good at. That's why he was right, always right. my captain, because Zion mm-hmm. has such a good disposition about himself. And he was such a good person that right. he would come to his teammates and say, listen, you're not doing this a certain way. This is the way that we want you to do this. Right. And I need you to work just a little harder because your other teammates are working just as hard. You know, mm-hmm. and I think I think when when you when you when as a coach, when you leave it upon yourself to let the players right. do the coaching on the side. Mm-hmm. And not come to those players and have to say something when you're right. when your peers can come to you on your own team and say, listen, this is what we need to work on. Mm-hmm. I think for me, that's really gratifying in itself because then you yeah. give a sense of responsibility and a sense of ownership to your players. And, Absolutely. And, yeah. And number three, just having fun. You've got to have yeah. fun. You know, sometimes I, I, I could be very passionate, but right. at the end of the day, my players know they have right. to have fun. Because right. If you're not having fun. 
then you're right. not going to play hard. Yeah. No. Having fun and playing hard, they go hand right. in hand. Yeah, so. no. And, and it's weird for, for those watching who um, watched the, my first episode when I interviewed uh, my baseball coach, David Harris, he uh, had six rules when it came to playing baseball. And I'll quickly rule off them. Um, well, I won't actually say them, but uh, the most notable standout of those rules um, uh, were one and six. And ironically, they were both the same, which is have fun. Yeah, and that just stresses fun. how important it is whenever you're playing a sport of any kind, you know, whether it's basketball or baseball. It's like having fun is the most important thing there is. Yeah, have no fun. About it. You know, you don't have to you don't have to have a smile on your face while you're playing the game. Right. But at the end of the, but at the end of the day, did you have fun? Right. Yeah, no. Well, I, I always had fun when I was able to play. And, you know, I'm sure Zion did, too. So it's like, you know, as, I'm sure as, there were a few times he didn't have fun because I got right. the case. But I mean, obviously, of course, course, you can't always have fun. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's a little insane. But yeah. at the same time, yeah. if you're having fun most of the time, especially when you've been in one place for so long, I think that's a that's a win. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Right. Well, I think we should actually start to kind of develop more into the really the uniqueness of this podcast, is, which is talking about, you know, coaching or playing with kids who are on the spectrum or being on the spectrum yourself. But I think before we do that, I'm going to give a shout out to another one of our sponsors. Are you looking to boost your SAT score by at least 360 points? Whether your goal is the SAT, ACT, AP classes, or general test preparation, turn to Sam's Tutoring Company. Sam is a Caltech-educated tutor with over 17 years of experience teaching over 700 students of all ages. Whether you want to learn in person or remotely, Sam is ready to help you accomplish your academic goals. Call Sam's Tutoring Company. If you mention the promo code Sports Spectrum, you'll receive 25% off the price of your first session. All right. And so with that now, I think we should develop into what I said earlier, which is the spectrum aspect of all these sports that you've endured and coached and played. And I kind of want to start off with sort of, it's not stereotypical, but it's a question like a lot of people get asked and have a lot of different responses to. Or at least this this covers a term that a lot of people hear and have a lot of different responses to. So when you hear the term mental health, which I'm sure you've heard a lot of times or know a lot of people have heard that term themselves and reacted differently, what exactly pops into your head when you hear that term mental health? And what does it mean to you, I guess, too? Uh, the term mental health, when it, something that pops in my head is people in need of help. Mm -hmm. When I say people in need of help, I mean there's so many different aspects of mental health, right? So many different ways that someone can go through issues of mental health, mm -hmm. whether it be autism or depression right. or, or having an, or having a child who's, who's ADHD. Right. Um, so many times, especially in this society, we equate mm -hmm. mental health with people who are crazy. And that's just, right. that's, that's, beyond the pale that's that has nothing to do with someone who's crazy it has right. to be someone who's who's not who's not firing on all cylinders right they just need that little extra help to understand how to live in society in society right so yeah for, for me whenever i hear mental health it just means that it, it it's it, it it means for me that i have to be more diligent about the people that i'm talking to or that mm -hmm. i'm 
So that's what mental health means to me. And it's, and it's yeah, no. And I mean, honestly, this is a question where I, I truly think there's not, there are wrong answers. I'll put it that way, but there, there's not necessarily one right answer. It's like, wrong. there are a lot of ways to, to put this in a good way. So it's like, but yours is definitely applies in a lot of ways. So you probably never get the same answer from anyone when you, yeah, ask. exactly. And that's the reason I asked this question so many times. It's like, what, what does this mean to you? Cause I don't think I'm going to get the same answer, you know, multiple times. So it's like, I want to know what each person thinks when they hear that. And so I guess, um, you know, again, uh, going more into that aspect of it, when you've, it, obviously, I, the reason I brought you on is because I know for a fact, you've interacted with a lot of both kids and adults who are athletes or parents or whatever, who have, um, uh, who have, uh, are on the spectrum, or maybe on the spectrum, or exhibit behavior that suggests they're on the spectrum. And again, obviously, this is supported by the fact that you went, coached at a school in new roads that has a program that specifically focuses on kids like that. And, you know, otherwise, and, you know, it's again, just your vast experience, you know, it's like you, you, I'm sure you've interacted with people like that. And so basically it's like, I guess my, my, the question itself is, you know, for somebody like you, how often did you come across people like that? And, you know, it's like, what necessarily stuck out to you about them, you know, and why was that the case when you ran, ran into people like this well, or who had, had these behaviors or whatever? That's a really interesting question, Keegan. Um, for the most part, for a good 20 years, I would meet people, uh, people who were either ADHD, ADD or autistic on a daily basis because right. of what I did for a living. Right. It just came with the territory. Mm -hmm. Um the fact that I worked in programs that specialized in autistic kids and ADHD and, and kids right. with ADHD, um, it's something that I looked forward to doing mm -hmm. because I, I felt I had a better understanding in the coaching aspect of it more right. than- and even like the refereeing aspect, because it's like you had to referee kids like me who were on the spectrum. And it's yeah. like, we often, you know, maybe looked at you differently or just like reacted differently to bad calls or whatever. And it's like, you know, you had to deal with that. So it's, I had to, I, you know, and I had to learn and understand there are certain temperaments that, that certain people have, and, you know, you have to deal with everyone on a very individualistic basis. Mm -hmm. When you're on a spectrum, you have to deal with them on an even more individualistic basis. Right. There are certain things that they may not understand that mm -hmm. so-called quote unquote normal people in society would understand. Right. You know, and um, and I think for me, also also raising a, a child who was on that spectrum too, right, gave me much better insight. Absolutely. To you know, it's like if you connect with somebody personally who has to deal with something like that, it definitely helps yeah. you when dealing with others who maybe right. don't have that connection, you know, like yeah, and, I, and I think also, you know, like I said, the coaching and mentoring aspect of it, as opposed to the clinical side of it are so right. the interactions right. are so different because on the one, on the one hand, when you're coaching someone, you're trying to nurture them and raise them into this individual. And you're trying to teach them these skills, right? You know, and you have to have, a certain clinical understanding and background at the same time while you're coaching them. So it's right. kind of a double-edged sword, Yep. you know? So I think it's even harder for someone who's coaching those, those kids because yeah. you, don't, you, don't, you, you don't have them in a doctor's office working with them one-on-one. -on -one. Right. You have them in a team concept 
and you mm-hmm. still have to deal with them as an individual while yep. still coaching them within a team concept. Right. You know, yeah. and um, yeah. And I guess I would build off of that in a way. It's like when you interacted with these kinds of people, you know, kids, adults, athletes, whatever, again, you know, what did you ever make specific adjustments and in how you interacted with them or how you coached them, refereed them, whatever. And why did you feel you need to do that basically? Oh, all the time. I mean, I mean, you, you, you have to, because once again, you have to deal with them on, on so much more of an individualistic aspect. Um, yeah. I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. A lot of adjustments I would make. Um, I used to, I used to, I used to, and this is, this is going away from basketball, but I used to, right. you know, I used to be a swim instructor and a lifeguard at the YMCA. Yes. Also. Yes. I remember that. And I, I would get a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of my kids that I would train. Right. And so one of the first things that I would do mm-hmm. is I would just kind of let let the child kind of swim around, play, play right. around with me just to get a sense of what they liked or disliked. Right. No, no words would be said. I would just right. kind of watch and observe them. Right. While I'm watching and observing them, I would go to their I would talk to their parents on the side and say, you know, what does he or she like? What does he or she not like? Right. Um, you know, what are certain what are certain hand movements or, or gestures I can make? Right. To understand what I'm trying to do. What, right. are, what are some trigger words that I can or can't say to mm-hmm. your child that, yeah. that I can get on the same page with? Right. So these are things that I would find out from the parents before I even worked with the child. Right. That these are things that the parent knows so much more about the child than I would that would yeah. give me a better understanding of working with that child. So yeah. Yeah. And I guess um, you know, I'm I'm sure like for the parents, that was an experience in themselves having to talk to somebody who didn't know what their kid had to deal with and trying to give as much information to somebody like you as they could that you could understand them. But I guess for you, because we've already mentioned, you know, your nephew's on, he has ADHD, you know, it's like having somebody like him that, you know, personally who, you know, has been diagnosed with this and has to deal with it every day. It's like, what effect does that have on you and anybody else, you know, personally who might have to deal with something like that? Oh, I can tell you this much. It, 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 when he was, I'd say from the age of two to about six, it really tested my patience Mm. mainly because as, as you know, uh, his attention level, right. Just was just off the charts in terms of not being there sometimes. Right. Um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned staring off, just kind of staring off into the distance. Right. Not, not that he would do that, but he would lose interest in things. Right. Very quickly. He would get bored very quickly. Right. Um, and we really had to learn how to be really patient with him mm-hmm. and, and kind of and kind of wait for him to under right. and, 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 and understand that this is something he's going through. And we right. can't be upset with him because of the fact that it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, for 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 a good while, Zion. Once again, beautiful kid, right. nicest kid in the world. Right, he's genuine. He, yeah, you know, no. he's, if he's, you're, he's if super you're a parent nice. met him, he's the most genuine, nicest, most, yeah. most respectful. Total kid. agreement. Total agreement. Now, around me or his grandmother, right? He would he would get a little temper tantrum every once right. in a while. You know, yeah. he would get upset very quickly. Yeah, you know, and once again, it was because the ADHD, the ADHD, right. You know, his frustration level mm-hmm. was a little higher 
right. than some other quote unquote normal people's was. Yeah, no. And, and I experienced this myself as somebody with autism too. It's, it's, yeah. it's shared, I'm sure, by a lot of people who are on the spectrum. You know, it's just a common thing where it's like they, they interact differently with people they know personally as compared to those they don't. You know, like for example, I have trouble making eye contact eye contact a lot of times with people I don't know. Like I do it easy peasy with my parents and, you know, my family and close friends and stuff. But it's like, when I'm talking to somebody randomly, it's like, I just, I don't know why. I just don't want to give them the comfort of seeing my eyes when I'm talking to them, you know? And it's, it's, and and it's just that level of comfortability that we all understand. Right. And, but, but, you know, as a, as a parent, you really, you really had to, you really had to kind of just zone yourself in and mm-hmm. put yourself on on his level and say, okay, wow, this is what he's going through right now. Yeah, let's yeah. figure out together what we need to do to make sure he feels comfortable and make mm-hmm. sure that he he understands that we're here with him. We're not working right. against him. That we're yeah. that we're doing our we're doing everything we can to work with him. And if he's yeah. frustrated, yeah. then let's find out what's what's making him even more frustrated and figure mm-hmm. out a way a path together with him to understand right. why he feels that way. Yeah. And I guess this is a good moment to try and put the sports and the spectrum aspect together. And that's uh, by asking you this simple question, basically, which is that how did sports specifically help you deal with uh, interact with somebody like Zion who has ADHD or anybody else who, you know, is on the spectrum and stuff? Like, how did sports make a difference when interacting with people like that? And, and also just help you better understand what they were going through, basically. You know, sports sports help make a difference because, number one, as I said, the patience level, right? It taught me. It taught me so much better, a better understanding of of the patience level in terms mm-hmm. of interacting with not yeah. only kids but with parents, right? Of kids who are autistic, right? Or of kids who have ADHD or ADD, right? Um, number one, first and foremost. Number two, um, it taught me that it doesn't matter where you are, right? That kid. Right. Is having fun and having fun learning mm-hmm. how to play a game that right. that kid loves to play. Right. It doesn't matter what spectrum you're on. Right. And yeah, I no. and I really I definitely learned, draw a comparison to that myself. Yeah, you know, and I and I really I really learned that once I put a kid in a situation with other kids, once right. they were having fun and learning, right. and once they were finding out that they were having fun. Right. Yeah. While they were having fun playing a game. Right. It was it was the best thing in the world. Absolutely. You know, it's like there's no better feeling you have in those kinds of moments where it's like everything just comes together so perfectly. Yeah. You know, and and, and, and like I said, I would even I would even give some of my kids. In that position, leadership roles. Right. And it really made them feel a sense of empowerment, you know. To let them to to, 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 to to let them feel like whoa I'm mm-hmm. no I'm not any different from anybody else I can do the same right. thing as anybody else can right I can be a leader I can exactly. tell them I can I can tell other people how to do certain things yeah. once, I, once I've learned how to do them myself yeah. I'm no different you yeah. know me to- and the other thing too is I mean like they find something they're good at too exactly exactly you know I mean, it's like and that builds up confidence you're a perfect example of that right you're, one of these days you're going to be a great leader. You're, you're very mature. You, you know, you, you have a good handle on things and it's just like, um, I see a lot of that in you in terms right. of, in, in terms and I of greatly appreciate that, you know, despite the fact that I've gotten this compliment plenty of times, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, so 
that's like, that's, yeah, no, absolutely, man. That's definitely, yeah. that's definitely where I think, where I think specifically for me, that it really enriched me and, and enriched my life to see, yeah. to see these kids having fun and learning mm-hmm. and then finding out they can do that same thing too. Right. So, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely, man. You know, it's like, I've, I've met a lot of people too, who say to me, it's like, they get the same uh, thing from seeing me play or from seeing people they know play, you know, it's yeah, like, it's inspiring. It, it's right. inspiring. It's literally it's, it's, it's inspiring, man. So right. yeah, no. All right. Well, we've had a lot of fun and I think uh, this is a good question to close with here. What are you um, off the podcast already? You don't love me anymore? I'm just kidding. Man. Yeah, no, <laughs> I love you, man. It's like, I wish we could have more time, but it's, it's like anything else. <laughs> You know, all good things must come to an end. But I think we, uh, I think I've got a good final question here that kind of summarizes everything we've talked about or, or really connects with our audience the most at, by this point, you know, given everything we've talked about with them. Um, and that's that, you know, obviously we've, over the course of, you know, time, a lot of progress has been made about, you know, dealing with people who have mental health issues and whatever yes. and deal with autism and ADHD and whatever, you know, and people have gotten a lot better about dealing with the, these kinds of issues, you know, you know, I'm sure if like I'd grown up like 20 years ago, it would have been a lot uh, more difficult than it is now. And uh-huh. I'm sure if I had been born 20 years later, it would be a lot easier at the same time. But obviously, um, even with progress, there's always still a stigma that never goes away of people who don't, you know, get this or they have a hard time understanding it or whatever, you know, and it's like they want to maybe they want to help, but they just don't know how. Yeah. And I guess, you know, given your experience in all of this, you know, more, than, pro- certainly more than the average person, you know, who, who would be listening to this, what do you, what's the number one thing out of everything you've said that you want people to know from your experiences with everything you've had to go through um, about dealing with people with mental health and just dealing with the issue in general? It's like, what should they understand about it more or just appreciate about it more. It's like, what do you think is that 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 big defining thing, or maybe a couple of things? The one thing that I would that I used to tell people myself personally, mm-hmm. I would tell them, if you don't understand, go and find out. Mm. Because when people don't understand, right, they assume right things about other people. Right, and you don't want to assume because. Every day, we're still learning things, new things about mental health. Right. And I mean, and, and that's kind of the, the whole point of having this episode with you right here. It's like, I'm trying to get people to know more about this, you know, to yeah, understand exactly. more. And the one thing I would always tell people who would just have these, these stereotypes or these mm-hmm. stigmatisms about yep. what, what, what it is that people go through when they have mental right. health issues, go and research, man. Right. Go talk to someone who actually has mental health issues and find out from them personally what they're going through. Right. Go volunteer. Right. Um, there's so many different ways that you can learn yourself without assuming right. that you know. Right. Because we don't we don't know everything. No one right. knows. No, nobody does. And and the best thing that you can do as an individual is if you don't understand, right. go and find out for yourself. Go right. volunteer. And go the other thing too, I would just say is that I think there are plenty of people in this world who don't even realize they've got a, a problem that they don't even know about. You that know? is so true. That is, that is so true. That is so true. Which is why your advice is so critical. It's like, you know, not only should you go out to learn more about others, you could end up, end up learning more about yourself at the same time. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm actually, I've, I've actually started working with this volunteer organization 
mm-hmm. uh, that mentors homeless people. Oh. And the amount of mental health issues that are going on right now in the homeless right. are, yeah, are, no. are, yeah, are I mean, crazy. again, I think just like with people who actually deal with these and have somewhat normal lives, yeah. those who are homeless, you know, they shouldn't be exempt just because they're homeless. It's like yeah, exactly. they, they still have these issues and it's like they should be treated accordingly, you know. Yeah. So I think think the biggest thing is when it comes to something like that, ignorance is not bliss. No, you have no right to be ignorant. If you don't understand what's going on, right. Take the time to find out, right. People out there, there are organizations out there that you can learn from. There are individuals out there who you can speak to, who will let you know through their Mm -hmm. own experiences, right. You're going through and how they feel and how society is treating them. And then once you find out, ask yourself, Am I, have I been doing everything I can? Right. So, yeah, no, listen, I agree with all that. And I definitely think for our audience, you know, it's like they could learn a lot from it's like, which the simplicity, but also the complexity of what you're saying, you know, it's yes. like the fact of the matter is, you know, it's like we, um, you know, we, re- we think we do a lot, but in, in reality, there's so much more we can do. And it, and, it, and basically we, get the push to do it or find the reason to do it the simple and as simple or as complex as it may be from just doing something like this you know exactly. or listening to something like this exactly you know and for, and, and for me and for me which is which which is this this is this is phenomenal for for and i'm honored for you to want to talk to me about these issues and for me you know one of my outlets was to to coach and to there you go let, let people who were going through mental health issues, especially yeah. kids who are going through mental yeah. health issues. And that's, and that's just so, and that's just so like, uh, you know, that just shows just how much sports itself can have an impact on these kinds of people. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like sports means so many things to so many people, but I really feel for people who are on the spectrum specifically, sports has a completely different meaning that not a lot of people realize, you know, it's, it's, it's a way of, it's a way of feeling. It's a way of, fe- of it's a way of feeling that you're part of something. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No. And and that's the one thing that everyone in this world wants to feel is a part of something. Of course. Yeah. No. It's like, I think for me, it was like that was kind of again one of the big reasons why I felt so in love with it was it's yeah. like I did feel a part of feel like a part of something. Definitely, man. Definitely. And I'm gonna keep on doing it. Yep. On and the same it. with me too. It's like I, you know, it's like my life's gonna go on as however it is, and so is your life. But I always think like we're always gonna come back to sports in some way, shape, or form at the end of the day and yeah. realize and appreciate just how important it is for us. Definitely. And I think a lot of our audience will too. It's like if they have the same kind of experience, they and and just like it's like if they realize just how much sports might mean to them, especially during a time like this, where it's like, it's been practically taken away from us in almost every way possible. Yeah. Like they can take so much more away from it when it comes back. It's like, it's, it's unbelievable how much you can suddenly realize just out of one little thing. Yeah. I think once we get back, back away from this, this new norm, right. <laughs> I think a lot of people, like I said, will not have taken so many things for granted. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that will definitely be one of the defining things to come away from everything that's been going on in recent history. Yeah. And I, and I think it will just be so, I think it's honestly going to be a, a, a real blessing uh, once this is all over to see the impact it's going to have on this specific field of dealing with people who are on the spectrum or being somebody on the spectrum and playing sports and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I do too. I do too. Yeah. 
Well, listen, man, I had a great time with you today. I'm sure our audience did too. You're an amazing person. You were an amazing guest today. And, you know, it's like, you're going to keep doing great work regarding dealing with kids who are trying to play sports on the spectrum or dealing as a coach, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, whatever you do, man, you're great at it, you know, and you always have a positive impact, you know, no matter how hard or how little you'll try. And it's like, you know, uh, just thank you for everything you've done for me and for, you know, our audience today and anybody else who's out there who's, who feels that you made an impact on their life, you know, thank you. And, you know, you've been a great guest today and yeah, no, it's like, uh, <laughs> gosh, I don't even know how to close this. It's like, <laughs> Hey, listen, I'll, how about this? I'll close it. You keep on doing what you're doing because what you're doing right now is great. Yep. This is going to impact a lot of people in the future, man. So yep. just, just, just be yourself and yep. keep doing this because this is such a, this is such a positive yeah. thing that you're doing right now. Yeah. You. All right. So yeah, you could not have, you could not have closed that better for me. I, you know, I appreciate you taking over there, man, but you know, it's like, uh, you stay well, man, you keep doing the great things that you do, man. And you know, it's like, I hope our audience can start to appreciate you just as much as I do. And, and, and when they do, it's like, hopefully everything will be better off as it is. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, Keegan.